Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 90 of It's Not the Worst Movie Ever podcast. We're bringing you this episode on a lovely Monday, and uh, we're uh, kicking off the spooky Halloween season as well. Um, I am your host, Lee Paddock, and my co-host, Sterling Hammer. And uh, spoiler alert. So uh, let's just go ahead and uh, let's talk about the spooky film that I chose, which I didn't actually mean to choose for uh, <laughs> Halloween. It just kind of happened. Or a spooky spookathon, as we usually do on uh, It's Not the Worst Movie Ever A lucky podcast. coincidence. Yes. Uh, but this movie is, um, I guess you can kind of classify it sort of as a horror movie. It has, I guess, horror movie elements. Um, the movie we watched was Pan's Labyrinth from 2006, and uh, it's directed by one of my favorite filmmakers, Guillermo del Toro. Um, this is sort of the typical kind of movie that he's become known for, these sort of dark fantasy movies. Um, so let's, before we, uh, you know, start you know, before I start really gushing about this movie, because uh, I do have a lot to say about it, I'll just go through the story real quick. Um, it's actually somewhat of a simple story, um, as simple as a as a classic fairy tale, which I think is what uh, Guillermo del Toro, who was also the writer of this film, uh, was intending. Uh, so, the film takes place in uh, 1944. During the, uh, I guess, the aftermath of the Spanish Civil War, although uh, this is also the time where World War II was happening, um, but uh, yeah, the, the Spanish actually was weren't involved with World War II. They had their own thing going on. Um, so this film follows a uh, a young girl um, who is traveling with her uh, pregnant mother to the villa of this uh, this colonel who's a part of the fascist army of, of uh, Franco-era Spain. Um, Franco was the, uh, the dictator who had ruled uh, Spain for a while. Um, wh- after the... Uh, he was the basically the, the winner of the Spanish Civil War. Um, and uh, the... Uh, they're traveling to uh, the uh, villa of this colonel who is part of the uh, the fascist uh, regime. Um, turns out that uh, the mother has a uh, relationship with the colonel. Um, and uh, the little girl, who's named Ophelia, uh, she's, uh, you could tell right away, she's somebody who's uh, sort of in her own kind of world. She uh, She loves to read about fairy tales, she, um, you know, even before she sees anything fantastical, um, we know for a fact that she believes in, uh, fairies and, you know, magical worlds and fauns, which are, are the things that she's going to be seeing later on. Um, and when they arrive at the, uh, the, uh, the villa, you know, we realize that, um, this is uh, these 
the colonel is not a uh, he's not a kind man. Um, he kind of uh, he's already uh, he's very strict towards uh, Ophelia, uh, and that kind of creates uh, tension between them throughout the film. Um, she tries to like shake his hand, but she, sh- I guess, shakes tries to shake it with the wrong hand, and she kind of he grabs her hand, and it's. Very, uh, you know, uncomfortable scene. Um, but uh, Ophelia's mother is uh, is pregnant at this time. And uh, she's not taking the pregnancy very well. She's very ill. Um, she kind of remains, uh, like, bedridden for most of the film. Um, and... At first, we're kind of led to believe that the colonel, you know, he really does actually love this woman and that, you know, maybe, you know, there might be a, a, a moment where uh, we're going to sympathize with him, but that kind of gets thrown away pretty quickly. Um, so it turns out that uh, surrounding this villa, or I guess it's on the, the, the property, are these sort of like this labyrinth. This old maze that was built, you know, hundreds, maybe, you know, thousand years ago. Who knows? And this is where, and while uh, Ophelia is exploring the uh, this labyrinth, she comes across a, uh, a fawn uh, who is not Pan. Pan is, a, is actually is a Greek mythological deity who um, is a lot... <laughs> Would definitely would create a lot of really uncomfortable problems within, you know, a little girl, um, because it's a, he's a very, uh, you know, it's Greek mythology, so it, you know, it's to say it's not uh, real Greek mythology. It's not family friendly, even though this movie is not family friendly. I don't know what I'm talking about, um, but yeah, she comes across this fawn. Um, who's like this old, this almost seems like this ancient creature who's like made of like part tree and is like made up of all these different, el- like, like different animals. He's got, you know, ant- he has giant horns of like a, like a, like a big horn sheep or something. Um, and he turns out to be this, uh, creature from, uh, the underworld. Which apparently, um, Ophelia is actually the reincarnated princess of the underworld, or so she's led to believe. Um, and so the the fawn basically gives her three tasks. Uh, gives her three tasks in order to. Uh, basically unlock her, you know, the, I guess the soul that's trapped inside of her, you know, the soul of the princess, and be- become who she is meant to be and to be able to go into the, uh, you know, the underworld again and join her family. Um, and so with this, you know, we follow her as she goes on these tasks. We'll go into more of it after I, you know, kind of finish up this sort of basic summary, but she has to face monsters, 
and not just uh, uh, like the inhuman monsters that she faces. You know, there's also <laughs> the monsters of the uh, the fascist regime. Um, and we also we follow uh, another character, a couple other characters who are part of the uh, resistance, um, who are fighting the uh, the fascists. Um, and yeah, that's like that's basically it. That's a pretty bad summary of it, but uh, <laughs> I'm gone on long enough. Get the main Sterling, Yeah, I think Gerli- Sterling wants to uh, jump start on in. Start contributing to the conversation. Yeah, this movie, Lee pretty much yeah, explained it well, other than like the ending and all that good stuff. But <coughs> we'll go into like specifics. This movie is a weird movie. Um, I love uh, Hellboy, Hellboy Two. There, Hellboy Two is probably one of my favorite movies, like by far. Ooh, Guillermo del Yes, Guillermo del Toro also directed those films. So I love the aesthetic um, of the movie. And it does have that kind of look to it. And the movie is, I've always, this is always some movie you always heard about and is always kind of like lauded as like this, as like one of the, I don't know, cinephile masterpieces. And it it's good, but like, I don't know, like, I just kind of felt like the story was lacking. There was a lot of times I'm just like, why is this happening? These are just the stupidest people in the well, world and then i get you keep lee kept saying like well it's the fascists the fascists. that's a good excuse but they're just being retarded like, it's not just fascists that. didn't just mean stupid like the nazis didn't just get the power of being the stupidest people in the world and mussolini didn't take over being the stupidest people in the world and the spanish fascist regime didn't take over most of spain for most of that time being the stupidest people these characters were just dumb well, well they I did also, dumb things <laughs> well i also think that uh the movie sort of Runs on this kind of fairy tale logic. It, this sort of but then it blew that all man. It's like oh, she's just having schizophrenic fucking like fantasies, That's, and then like yeah, you think it's like oh no, it's really it, happened. I don't. I'm of the camp of it was all a schizophrenic fucking. It was all my, in her mind because she had a horrible life and she was a child and she wanted to make her life fun and she was trying to escape. So she made all these adventures in her head and kids see things. It's like Rugrats. They make these crazy adventures, but none of it actually happened. Well, I mean, Guillermo del Toro pretty much believes. And like, in what all this really stuff. gave me kind of like the like confer- confirmation of that was like the ending. Where like she's in the, the 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 world with the gods and they're all like we're welcome back daughter and and and, and then like and then it cuts back to her like <sighs> and then the vision ends right as she stops breathing the vision ends well so she dies it literally was like oh she got to see like she had this thing and boop dead I mean you can yeah and they even show no one it. else can see it and you go oh, well only the demon princess can see it you can interpret it that way if you want. I enjoyed more of, like, the human story that was going on and, like, the dealings with the rebels and the fascists than I did with, like, her. It was just, like, her. It was just, like, oh, it's just, she's going on kid. It it felt like Bridge of Terabithia. Really? Where it was, like, oh, these these aren't really happening. These are just, she's a kid and she's imagining this is happening. See, I mean, again, if that's how you look at it, but I do think a lot of this movie is open to interpretation. Which is partially the reason why I like it. I guess. 
But it's just and a I, lot. It's just another. Just, just this, this was a movie that was just another example to me of Lee giving special permissions for his movies, but then these same things happen in my movies. Because and Lee it's just goes, deliberate. Well, no. But it's deliberate. But it's, it's not, not deliberate, deliberate in my. No. Oh, it's, okay. Oh, because Lee deemed it so. Lee had a conversation with every director that's ever made movies of mine, and they all confirmed to Lee that he had no vision, and they were just the blah, blah, blah. I can admit that a lot of my movies were probably just a money-making thing, but, like, a lot of movies that I've showed where they're, like, big-budget things, all these things, all the special duty ads. They have to contrive have. certain situations to get to a really Well, some ridiculous- uh, no, uh, uh, oh, this movie, but that's why I'm saying perfect example. It's, no, it's not just nonsense happening while like just everyone could just walk out of this fucking supposedly the literal base of the fascists in this area. Hundreds of fascist troops and you can just walk in and out like you're a butterfly flying in the wind. No one stops you. No one stops a kid. And you, oh, they're stupid. They're they, no, 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 no. There's hundreds of them. You tell me every single one of them don't see them. Just walk them. Yeah, you can justify like the maid walking away to the barn or something, and she's going off to do maidy things, and they don't care about the lower classes. But the daughter of the fucking captain would be looked after. I get that, like, he doesn't give that fuck of much of a fuck about her, but they know the mother does, and they know if the mother gets upset and the baby dies, they're all fucking dead. So they would have been keeping an eye on that shit. And then the rebels are out in the woods, so no one have any guards, patrolmen. Like, it just, like, was just, like... And, like, it's just, like, the, the rebels were the stupidest people in the world. They almost got their own... He almost got his own sister killed because they attack a place with explosives, but somehow they had grenades, but they needed her to give them the key? Why? Why was that a necessary thing? And then all those men got killed anyway, and they got none of the supplies. So it was like, oh, <laughs> they all just died. Because Buster Badass Man, the only cool character in the movie, the villain. The only cool character in the movie. And had one of the most wow. badass deaths. Yes. Against him, badass. I mean, I like that the, the maid was the the maid was the most badass character in the movie. Mercedes. Mercedes. Um, yes. The brother was who cares a fuck? Just one of the dumb rebels. Um, yeah, he, yeah. He wasn't really much of a character. Didn't do really anything um, other than almost. But he's get not his sister part killed. of like the core. He's literally of, the leadership of the rebels. And that, I, that 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 part is. And then like the main liberal or uh, rebel leader, like the last time we see him, we just get his leg cut off, and then we just never see him again. Did he die? It's he possible. Like, but they never mentioned it. They he was literally Maybe it's like a deleted scene. It probably it felt like it. It felt like that should have been addressed, and they just didn't have time. Because this movie, well, I will give it, is super low budget, and they did a lot with a low budget. It's not super. It's low only budget. eighteen million. That's I mean, not that much for a movie. Compared to now, yeah. To now, but uh, even then, uh, the effects in this movie are really. That's great. what I'm saying. They did really good with, with super low budget. The practical effects, of course, I love that stuff. I'm sure the extras were paid literal dollars. Um, because it's out of country. <laughs> but they didn't. America. I don't think they did real explosions, and I don't think they used real squibs. Because apparently, the area that they were in was experiencing uh, like a drought, so anything would have just like caught on fire. Caused well, that's fine. The movie fire. isn't a war movie. It doesn't need real explosions. No, it's yeah. just some minor things you see, and they look fine in the movie. Yes. Um. 
It has war elements in it. That's that's what that's what I like. That's what I like about this movie. I like the human part. The human people are really cool, and even the girl when she's interacting with the humans and like, and then once it's kind of revealed, like, oh, this is just a kid trying to deal with fascist Spain. And her mother dying and being sick and it's all out of her control and all these things. Of course, it's the but there's root and some milk and it's going to make her better. But that's part of the fantasy element. I know. The, and then the it, mandrake root. And it's just, uh, I get It's it, really it's, disturbing when they throw it into the fire. Burns. <laughs> it's like a baby screaming. But that's ultimately what kills the mother. Yeah, that kills the mother. Well, no, what ultimately kills the mother is the stupid, I mean, the, the stupid fascist leader killing the do- only doctor. No, the doctor was alive. She was no. alive. No, no, no. That's when she started going into birth, and then he had just shot the doctor in the back. Right after he, uh, and then the only one who can get upon, help uh, give birth is the medical uh, nurse, the medical doctor for the army, and yeah. he's just used to chopping off legs and pull, ripping out bullet wounds. Yeah, he's not meant to deliver babies. So she dies immediately. Yeah, that's really sad. Um. This yeah, it's like that's kind of the whole tone of the movie. Is it, it kind of has like this melancholy tone? Um, uh, it was sad that little girl had died, Ophelia. I mean, I I, I thought she was gonna live because in the beginning it looked like she her no like the blood was going backwards, and that's, that's when I still believed it was fantasy. Well, who knows? Maybe we're seeing. Maybe we're seeing. Mercedes Mercedes perspective in that moment. She thinks she's dying. Oh, she's dead. Um, well, I mean she her maybe her human body That doesn't exist. Spirit doesn't exist. Um because I just saw in that this world, ever since I saw that one movie where it's like the experience of people someone dying. Remember that movie? The crazy like DMT trip movie? It's oh, into gets, the into the void. Yeah, yeah. Ever since I seen that movie it's just, you can see it when a character dies. And that, that was her last vision of life. He vision, he was a spirit, he got reborn in the baby. It was crazy. That movie is fucking mind-boggling. Oh, God, yeah. Um, I never finished it. You have to be violently high to watch it. Or on acid. It's the only way to watch If you watch it sober or kind of high, you'd, it's not, you're not watching the movie. You're not watching the movie. Because you have to have a existential crisis watching this movie for it to be real. You have to die. And be reborn. Mm-hmm. It's fucking freaky. That movie freaks you the fuck out when you're violently like blast off, stoned out of your gourd moored. Or if you were on acid, I could only imagine on acid, but I've only watched it when I was violently high on an edible. <laughs> and I was just like, it was just I was losing my mind. The movie is fucked up. Um but it's also ultimately it gets kinda happy, but ugh. Um Yeah. But yeah, back That's, to the I would describe for me personally, I would describe the ending of this movie to be bittersweet. It is, because like the brother lives and The I'm, resistance wins. Wins in this one little battle. I mean the Yeah, um, yeah. And they're the, they're the resistance, they're the communists. So it's like, I don't really, you don't really want to support them. Yeah. But I ultimately, guess. we know in Spain that like the liberal democracy uh, group eventually 
gains the upper hand and takes over because America and Britain and all the alliance start like heavily arming them and backing them. There we and go. And they cut the fascist regime off from like Nazi Germany and anyone else that could help them. History. Yeah. Um, in this movie that has a giant toad in it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, well, my dog is this bit of farty little farty machine. She has a little, little came out, little poof fart. Um, and I I like the fantasy elements in this movie. I do too. I'm not saying they don't look crazy. And I Lee said in the beginning, this is the kickoff to Spooktober. Um, this movie is definitely spooky. Uh, it has a sp- any of the scenes with it does the have fucking, a creepy atmosphere. Yes. Yeah. Any of the scenes with the fucking fantastical scenes, the schizophrenic the episodes are insane and they were very creepy and the that one is that a, is an interesting but that scene is the stupidest oh no the monster the monster the with pale, the eyes the pale man yeah yeah that was one of the stupidest scenes i've ever seen in cinema history but again there's a reason behind it it ties into the theme of the movie the thing that ultimately that she's an idiot that no. everyone in this movie's stupid as fuck. He literally, you have this crazy druid. That's no. what also leads me more to thinking it's not real because she doesn't take anything serious until it. And when her mother that until that point when she eats the grapes. But up to that point, she doesn't like. And that's when the episode, the schizophrenic episodes, start not being so fun when they start well, turning on her. Well, the the theme is is that she's disobedient. That she's, that's sort of the, it's the main, like, kind of contrast with her and the colonel. And that's ultimately what defeats him. And that's what ultimately... Kills her. Well, if she would have had the Fawns help longer in her fantastical schizophrenic episodes, if she hadn't ate two... It's like also, couldn't you have made it just something a little better and more attractive than fucking two grapes? Or couldn't we established... That grapes were her favorite food or something. Could she have not, like, in a scene earlier, gone for some grapes and the general's like, no, no grapes for you. Or something like, because they're not, or some stupid, like, crazy Maybe abusive okay. scene. But no, it's just she stops and then gets these two fairies brutally m- murdered because she had to eat two fucking grapes. Oh, yeah, she eats two scene, grapes and then loses everything because of it. But then I feel like with that. And there's I, no redemption. Again, the logic. Is not the fawn just comes back there. and he's like, okay, that's what also leads me to like thinking it's more of a schizophrenic or like just mental episodes because the fawn just comes back. She doesn't do anything to get him to come back. He just comes back and he's like, all right, I forgive you because her mind has to make it go like that. It's not going to work in her fucking fantastical memory if he doesn't come back. And now her mother's dead. Everything's know. gone. So she's just like, just the whole world's broken. So like the narrative's broken. I mean, yeah, that's if that's how you I have to take inter- my brother and then like, yeah, and then she has that moment where are you going to be give into this sanity and kill your younger brother <laughs> to this imaginary nothingness? Or are you going to embrace like the fact that like maybe I'm just a little crazy and I should not kill and listen to this crazy monster who I've been just listening to from the beginning for no real reason. He never proved himself or nothing. He's just He's a trickster. He's a but he doesn't even that good. He's just like he just says it, and she's like, "All right, there's no trick." She's <laughs> a child. I know a schizophrenic imagining 
a giant bug turns into a fairy and flies away for her magical creature imagination. That's what sparked it all. She saw the giant bug and it just broke her. And now we have a schizophrenic episode while her life around the real world is horrible. Her mother's like dying. She can tell the, the, the Colonel doesn't really love her mother. Doesn't really like her. Everything's shit. Who knows where she's coming from? Her father was murdered and tortured for being a rebel. A rebel, quote-unquote rebel, whatever the fuck that meant in fascist Spain. And he was supposedly the tailor of the, the, the colonel. And then the colonel just go grabs the wife. You mean rapes her, probably? I'm sure I she mean, had a real yes or no in that situation. So I'm sure the daughter was just in the other room while the colonel's just going to Horribleville on her mother. Horrible. And she's just like, la, la, la. And the people are getting murdered in the streets of Madrid. Fucking, it's just chaos, horribleness. And then you're just taken away from your world and dumped in the fucking middle of the woods. And the only one who's nice to you is the maid. I mean, everyone's nice to her. She doesn't live like a, but like the workers are all nice to her. But like, yeah, but still he's I torturing mean, and murdering people. You don't think they hear that just because they did it in the barn. They don't hear the. <laughs> she has to shut it out. Schizophrenic episode. I'm going to go fight a toad. <laughs> I. I, I just can't. Con- I mean, even if he came out, I'd be like, well, that's not the movie you made. You made it wrong if you wanted the fantasy to be real. Well, if you wanted the fantasy to be real, Mercedes should have saw him. Mercedes when he came when she came out when like with the and like that I think Mercedes Mercedes should have been able to like save the little girl or just like I don't know she should have saw it. It should have been like confirmed, confirmed. Anyone well, other than the schizophrenic little girl. Should have been able to see it. Well, there's a thing that uh, actually I, I read about to where there's a line that the, the fawn has where he says that there were other little girls who also were put to the this test. Yeah, and we see the pile of shoes, all the kids that failed, and somehow she escaped because she was the only one who think, like, oh, I'll just draw on the ceiling. But, but it's also it's said that Mercedes could possibly been one of these these girls because she also talks about like I used to believe in fairies and fairy tales and stuff like that but now I I don't so it's possible that um she encountered the fawn no every little kid believed in that kind of shit I think she was just saying like everyone believes in that when they were a little kid we believed in fucking Santa Claus we believed a little a man would come go down your chimney and fart out a bunch of toys (laughs) <laughs> and eat the cookies and the milk and all this nonsense. Every kid believes in stuff. And you saw it. Oh, I, I believe I saw it. I swear I saw it. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Wow. It just. <sighs> this movie just was. It was long. It felt. It wasn't. It felt long. It was like two ba- like two hours. It sh- felt like it should have been an hour 45. I felt like they could have cut some stuff. Wow. Okay. <laughs> just a lot of the scenes of just her kind of just, it, for the people that listen I'm just looking off in the distance she just kind of just uh, just it's just like how long is this gonna be is she just gonna look at this hallway how long are we gonna, <laughs> no and again there's a lot of like yeah there's a lot of slow scenes in this f- movie um 
And there's a lot of scenes that just kind of build up the atmosphere. I'm not saying it's not a good movie. With me liking Hellboy so much, it had a lot living up to it. And Now, I know Hellboy, this is the kind of movie that got him the opportunity probably to do to Hellboy, and Hellboy had a much... Hellboy 2. Did he do Hellboy 2 or Hellboy 1? He did both of them. Hellboy came out before this. Oh, well, those movies had much bigger budgets. Well, yeah, because they were produced by American Studios. This is a Spanish-Mexican co-production. So. I just, okay, then that, and even more than that, it just, I, I just... The you story know, just it has to be an American film. No, the story. I like plenty of foreign films. The the uh, there's actually a, a Spanish Jewish romance. I'll show you one day. Um, oh, great, <laughs> great. Uh, and, uh, what is it? Anti-Semitic from Lee. Um, hey, I am Jewish. <laughs> that's what it makes it even weirder. But I guess all Jews are anti-Semitic. Um, <laughs> I just I don't know. This movie just left me kind of like, man. And then Holy. I was just, I had some really good moments, like I said, and most of those moments was with the the with was with the colonel. Yes, the colonel is definitely probably the most interesting character in the movie because um, he had that like watch that from his dad, and like it had this like he had feeling most- like he knew when he was gonna die. He had the and most he thought he, he had like he had no backstory, but like it was black story that was all in like kind of like no, he had the most backstory. Yeah, but but like it was never like it was, but it was all backstory that was either just implied backstory or just backstory that other people said. Right. Yeah. Like the watch, and I felt like he felt like he wasn't gonna die if if it was not this time, the time that his dad died, he was invulnerable. He, and that's what led him to be a great colonel because he was leading the charge in that battle. Like, bam! And he was taking, he felt invincible and he kept looking at the watch. Like, right before he did his charge, he looked at his watch at the time that it was stuck on and he was like, it's not that time. And he fucking charged off into the battle. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah, he has everything sort of like planned out accordingly. Everything needs to sort of be perfect. And that was an. Um, we'll go. I'll say it right now. Before my favorite scene is literally the ending where he it, it, it's the that's well, the Cario yeah, ending. That's a great scene where he just goes, "Tell my son when I died," and she's like, "Your son's not even gonna know your name," and they just bop him in the fucking head, and he's just like, and he has those eyes of just knowing that he's gonna be forgotten. His great legacy, his whole plan, gone, done, because they're never gonna tell him. All that, yeah, all that perfection. And even if he finds out one day and he's an older man, he'll be like, well, thank God you died, you piece of shit fascist gum. I'm glad my mother and father never told me. Or my mother. That is a great scene. That's that's my favorite scene in the movie. And then there's that really brutal scene with him, though. Like the first, like, really evil thing that you see him do. Yeah, where he kills the farmers. Yeah, or the, yeah, the two guys hunters. were like, yeah, they were just hunting And he just kills rabbit. the son. Oh, God, and that just gives me reminders of, like, Casino or whatever, that one where uh, Joe, Pesci. Joe Pesci's brother's getting murdered. He's like, come oh, on, he's already yeah. dead. <laughs> and the bro- and he's just <laughs> smashing in his face. Yeah, it's like he takes, like, a wine bottle or something. Uh, a heavy flashlight and just smashes and just, his face Yeah, in. just smashes For no reason. Yeah, for absolutely no reason. And like, then, the guy was just, like, answering his questions, and he just grabs him and starts smashing his face in. Because he's irritated by the whole experience. 
And then, uh, and it turns out they really were just hunting. Yeah, the father is like, "I'm really you bastard!" You bastard. And he just shoots him. And then the guy, this it's is still a, alive. It's the first time I noticed that. Yeah, the guy was alive. Yeah, Lee thought he was dead. And then, nope. but he's just clutching his nose, which is now smushed in. And then, yeah, he fin- he finishes him off. He just unloads. And then yeah, the guy, it's like, really God. disturbing. It's you feel like good scene. when the colonel dies. It's almost like a scene out of like Schindler's List. It was way more brutal than anything. I mean. He tortures that one dude, but you don't see it. Yeah. It's the most brutal thing you see. There's some violence in this movie. But it's mostly just guys getting shot in the head or or shot on the ground. We have the fairies who get their fucking heads heads bitten bitten off. off. (laughs) By the horrible Which is really great. The Pale Man. The Pale Man. The Pale Man and uh, the Fawn are actually played by a uh, Guillermo del Toro regular who was in Hellboy. Uh... He's the guy who does all the creature stuff for uh, for Guillermo, the guy who plays all of his creature characters. He plays Abe Sapien in the uh, Hellboy movies, the fish man. That makes sense. He also plays the fish man it's in... my favorite. Wanna, uh, I love that character. He also plays the fish man in Guillermo del Toro's other movie, The fucks. Shape of Water, yes. Where it's literally the same fish man. Essentially, although he's supposed to look more like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Doesn't he looks like the guy from Hellboy? <laughs> yeah, Shape of Water is a decent movie. I still need to see that movie. It's pretty good. I'll show you that movie. Um, but yeah, it's the guy's name is Doug Jones. He's the only uh, American who uh, was working on this film. Hmm. And um, he actually he tried to learn like Spanish so that he could do the the vocal performance of the uh, at least the fawn. But they ended up uh, dubbing over him. No, yeah, they needed someone who's probably like got like local dialect. I mean, the voices were cool. Yeah, the f- the voice of the fawn. Buenos dias. <laughs> yeah, he was very Spanish. But so like, Spanish. But then he also has like this, like he's like old, like yeah, he's like this ancient like creature. So he has like these little creaks in his voice, like uh, uh, uh. Yeah, yeah, he's like an, he's a living tree. Yeah, he's like this elemental creature. I really like the fawn, honestly. I, th- I find him a, a really interesting character. I know you don't think, oh, he's not real. He isn't. But I almost kind of, uh, he's almost kind of like what he represents. Schizophrenia. Sure. I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> it's sort of the uncertainty of the world. Like, can you tr- really trust? It's almost sort of like the Colonel in a way. Like, can you trust this thing? But then I guess ultimately become you know is a little bit more benevolent <laughs> than even the. I think it sort of ties into the other theme is like who really is like the monster. Is the it like these actual like this the real monster that she's trying to escape is the monster that ends up killing her then, which is also a sad ass scene. He just shoots her in the chest. Exactly. She just collapses to the ground. He's a monster. He just kills a kid. But obviously he's the true monster of the story. If, like, you're going probably by age, the guy he's nose he smashed in was probably only, like, fucking... He looked way older, but if you're going in, like, a real villager's age, he's probably would have only been, like, 19, 20. Yeah, he just killed that guy's son. Yeah, so I feel like, you know, these, these creatures, especially, I guess, maybe the Pale Man, I think that might be a better example of the sort of, like, parallel between, you know, the monsters in this fantasy realm and then the real monster, who's this colonel's fascist, the fascists in general, yeah. are 
the real monsters. While she was in the room with the pale man, was that the scene when he was also torturing the uh, the stuttering dude? Was that what was happening while... No, it came soon after, or a few scenes after the scene where he beats the guy, the beats the guy's face and kills the two hunters. So the pale man happens after the grenade attack? I or believe... before? I think before. I'm pretty sure it happens before. Mm. Oh, God, he's going to Wikipedia it. I have to confirm, because I, I have like a hunch. But yeah, I do think that there are, you know, there's sort of like, yeah, there's parallels. Like he really, like he's sort of like the big bad wolf in the fairy tale analogy that I think Guillermo was going for. Yeah. Yeah, it happened before, right? One second. Let me see. Yeah, that poor stuttering guy. Yeah, that guy gets fucked up. Like when you you don't see it. I mean, you hit see him get hit in the head with like a like with a, a hammer. hammer once, and then it just cuts to him, and his lips are just che- it looks like the, something chewed on his lips. His hand is just mangled. Yeah, it's mangled. The great thing about that Face scene, though, swollen. that scene, um, like that leads up to the torture, um, is when you know the colonel's like playing with him, like, oh, if you can count to three without stuttering. Will let you go. And it's this like really sick game that he's playing with him. You're right. You're right. And, you know and that that kind of like amplifies like the tension in that scene because then you're like, oh no, are, are we gonna see it? And he cuts away right at the perfect moment. Yeah, yeah. Because you had seen him smashing the guy's nose, so you're like, oh, he's willing to show us fucked up shit. So are we about to see? But he, you know, he's sort of like, almost in a way, he's kind of like Tarantino, where he's and like. Then, uh, Shortly after he kills the literally the only smart person in the entire world of Spain in this moment, the, the doctor. doctor. At least he goes out like for a badass. Get, yeah, for uh, he gets shot in the back. Yeah, he's just walking away. He knows he's gonna get killed. But, but he's, he's like, just "I'll just like, walk away. Fuck it. I have my honor." And then he gets shot in the back. He drops his briefcase and he takes a couple more steps. And he falls around dead. To, yeah. In a piece of shit fashion. And that's right when the fucking gay come out and you're like, "Your wife's dying." And it's like. Great. <laughs> Couldn't it have come 30 seconds earlier? <laughs> I could have contained my anger for a minute. <laughs> I could have let him live just for this one one task. And then I shot him in the head. Damn you! <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, that kind of shows like the, 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 his impulsiveness. Fascists, the fascists don't think clearly. Yeah, they he, act on their impulses. Yeah, because I mean, he they have the moment where he like cuts the, the mirror that he's staring at. Like, whoosh. He slashes it because he just can't look. He hates his own reflection. Because he's, he's not, not perfect. perfect. But then, I feel like that's sort of like a foreshadowing. Yes, and it, the Mercedes. Yeah, she's awesome. She. He's about to like do to the deaf. What do to her? What what he had done do to the, the deaf guy, guy or the stuttering guy? Yeah, my bad. And you're just like, oh come on! And he's, you know, he'd be willing to do it. And probably worse things because she's a woman. Because fucked up guy people are like that. Of course, the weaker the thing, they're. Doing the evil thing too, the more but, they want to ruin. Well, ultimately, it. yeah, he's he's a coward. But then, like, but then also, this leads to another like, what the fuck is this movie? Because she literally stabs him in the back with a blade and then drags it down a okay. good foot. Yeah, it's a little ridiculous. Pulls it out. He's like, ah, she stabs him, and a then bunch like he times. turns around. She stabs him in the chest. Tur- twist it. Pulls it out. <laughs> stabs him again in the arm, the the bicep. 
twist it, pulls it out, and then and then cuts his Jokers lip. him. Jokers him on one side, just cuts his lip, just whoop, and then he's just he just sews his own mouth up, and it's a fucked up scene. And then he's okay for the rest of it. He doesn't like. He does. He, they never show him sewing up his back. Or his yeah, he just sews up his, and you can't his be like, mouth. Yeah, you can't imply like, oh well, then he probably just got the doctor to do it. Then why did the doctor sew up his mouth? The medic, the 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 army doctor. No, he just didn't have those parts. Okay, he's just bleeding yeah. like crazy profusely, and he's just fine. And then he gets drugged, and then he's still able to just but, like la la la. But again, how many other movies have we seen where people get shot? Or they get stabbed a bunch of times. I know. And they live. I just, I'm just saying, I was like, if this was my movie, Lee would be huffing and puffing. No, this man I wouldn't. Wasn't dead, and he'd be like, well, no, because yeah, that's just that's a cliche in movies that you know you gotta. But this have movie was being a little more happen. like we. It's just it was a lot to happen to him to him be okay with, and I kind of wish in that moment he had died. That's what I thought was about to happen. I thought she was going to kill him. I don't know why she didn't. It's another thing. Why wouldn't you just kill him, silence him, so you can just run away? You know he's going to run out and chase after you. She doesn't do anything to, like, kill him. She should have, like, at least stomped on his balls a bunch or something. <laughs> but I think it would have been a great moment right then to slit his throat. And then that's when you realize that the fantasy's real. When she has to go save the little girl. And, and it turns out the pan, or the fawn is evil. And he's just tricking her. And that, and then that's the moment when she uh, Mercedes got to save, yeah. But remember, Mercedes goes and saves her. The final, and that's when Mercedes remembers, like, oh, they are real. Remember, the final task was we have you have to kill your baby brother. Not kill, but like the blood of the innocent. Shed the blood of the innocent, and I mean, he says he's gonna do a fingerprint. But yes, we know that the the fawn is probably gonna kill this baby because he's got like this giant like fuck off dagger that. Yeah. Uh, Ophelia got when she was uh, that the, was the second task the pale, with the pale man she was supposed to get this dagger um, she gets it and that's this is the thing that oh we're gonna use it to p- prick your baby brother's finger and he's she's like no like I stab his throat like, I know you I don't trust you at all in this moment finally because it's yeah it seems finally suspicious. the schizophrenia is breaking but then you know sh- her blood is spilt it goes. You see it and go into the lab. She has a death labyrinth. vision. Okay, fine. But in a way, like to her, then fine. If you want to view it that way, then to her, she died the best possible death than sh- that she could have in that moment. She got to. She finished her task. She got to see her mother again, and her. Uh, you know, the father. I assume that the the father who plays the the underworld king. Um is probably somebody who's supposed to look like her actual father. Yeah, I wish we would have seen her actual father. Well, like you a know, flashback or something. In all these stories, you know, there's always a dead parent, right? Yeah, Dis- of course. It's like, you know, kind of, it's like sort of a like darker version of like a Disney movie in a way. A bit. Because, um, you know, those movies, they took classic fairy tales and modernized them a little bit. Um, but ultimately, they run on a certain logic those Disney movies have a lot of things where you're like, hmm, wouldn't a normal person, smart person, wouldn't normally do that. But they're this kid is, movies. But this is a fantasy. Li- okay, but fairy tales in general have always been sort of just This movie's not a kid movie. It's not. 
But fairy tales were all were also not meant for kids in the be- like when they first started out. Or maybe they were, but they, they were, were meant for kids. But kids were just—it was different back then. You wanted to scare them. They were meant to like. They're keep... meant to be moral lessons. Yeah, and that's kind of what he's going for here. What? But it's sort of just like an don't anti- be stupid and get shot. Don't always don't obey. Don't just blindly obey. But no matter what, you and die. Nothing in the end? is perfect. You do. We all die in the I end, just, Sterling. Oh, what at twelve? <laughs> I don't think she had a real long, good, happy life. No, but I'm just saying, like, if you want to interpret it at, you know, as her just having a vision when before she dies, DMT going in her brain and all that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, blasting off, she blasted off. <laughs> she certainly did, I guess, because even the fawn was there, and he looked, he had like a little like sash on. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, you were a good guy. And my, my schizophrenic memory is making you really a good guy. Yay! <laughs> Everyone's clapping. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the returning princess. You could say that she she did accomplish her goals. I just think also it'd been kind of cool. Like he could have kind of tied this in with the whole Hellboy Boy universe. No, this is tied in with his another movie that he did before this, another one of his Spanish language films. Boo! It would have been better really if it was tied to Hellboy, because then the fantasy be real. Because Hellboy is, is real. I'm glad he didn't. Do you not like Hellboy? Yes, I like Hellboy, but he doesn't... No, I didn't say Hellboy had to be in it. I just said it's in the same universe. Not everything needs to be connected. You don't have to have the multiverse for everything. Uh, It's not a multiverse. This is the same universe. It's just over in Spain. No. Because then it would have made sense. She's like becoming the queen of the underworld. I don't know. It would have been cool. Cool. They already had like the whole World War II Ooh, element in the first Hellboy. It would have been, and it could have be- been even more connected. It would have been Remember cool. in the beginning when yeah. they actually they summon Hellboy? Yeah, it would have been cool. Yeah. I actually just thought of that, and that would have been a, such a cool tie-in. Because you already had it all lined up. Maybe in Hellboy 2, the Golden Army, there might be a subtle reference to it in the background. It would have been dope. Right, but I'm good. I'm good on that. Well, on that disappointing note, I think it's time for questions. For whom? Questions. Questions. Que pasa? Questions for Lee. Que pasa? Questions for Lee, even though he's kind of racist. Yeah. Okay, si, Lee. Oh, God. <laughs> Canceled. Um, well, Lee... I, I'm interested in this. When did you see this movie? Is this a recent Lee purchase uh, viewing, or did you watch this when you were a child? Well, it came out in 2006. Yeah, I was 13 by then. Sheesh. Um, I had somehow like this movie was all on my radar. Like I was seeing trailers for it. Uh, I was on, of course, I'm on IMDb a lot, so that it was being. Heavily uh, during that sort of time pushed on that, yeah. Even on 2006, you were on IMDb and all that. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> I discovered IMDb like 2004, 2005. Probably like, when it got launched. No, IMDb has actually been around since like 1997. Well, that's insanity. I know, right? But yeah, um, I don't think I yeah I didn't really watch it when it first came out though. I always thought it looked it looked cool. I like the director because I knew oh this is a guy who did Hellboy. And I think I avoided looked... it because I thought it was a horror movie. 
Because in the trailers, they show the pale man. Yes, and there's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and of course, it is kind of a horror movie. It has horror movie elements. I've always hated bit. horror movies, so that's, like, it just, it was one of those that I avoided. So, yeah. I mean, I like that kind of stuff. I love, like, fantasy movies and monster movies and stuff like that. And it looked like, oh, there were scenes that looked reminiscent of Hellboy. Um, like, when they're fighting, in, like, in the, the rain in this movie, there's, like, the... the the moment where the rebels attack them mm. in the rain. It reminded me a lot of the opening of the first Hellboy movie. Because that scene is like it's in the dark and in the rain and, you know. You got badass scene. Otherworldly characters. Rasputin, yeah. who's the main villain. Um, the guy with the knives. Yeah. The gas mask. He's pretty cool. It's an awesome movie. It's a good movie. I, I like, like the Hellboy too. movies. I like both of them. Um, mostly because, you know, Del Toro loves this shit, and you can tell. Yeah, it's all live shit, puppets and... Practical effects. Costumes and shit. My, the stuff that I just, mm, I eat up. But there is some CGI in this movie. Of course, uh, it's it's it, practical effects. CGI was invented so it would it, it could, could complement practical effects. practical effects. But nowadays, I mean... It's just you no. Know, I think it's CGS. gone a little more back. I think it's gone back a little to because they tried going. They went heavy CGI there for a while, for a but even Marvel time. movies have a lot of more practical effects in them now. I think they found better balance. If you watch a modern Marvel movie, I know you hate them. You're like, but they have a lot of practical effects in them now than compared to when they first were coming out, because they are always trying to like stay relevant, and the CGI looks amazing. It's not as good as Avatar. I mean, they have all the money, so. Shit. Doesn't Disney own Avatar now? Yes, because Avatar was a uh, 20th Century Fox. They get that Disney budget in those movies. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Avatar Land and Disneyland. Well, that got turned into Marvel Land after like a week. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty funny. Because it made no sense. You should have done Avatar Land when the movie came out. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they were like, "Oh, we finally." They didn't own it back then. We finally perfected what we wanted to do. Yeah, and Disney built Avatar Land right after they bought it. The the Imagineers, as they call them. Yeah, we finally got it, and then everyone was like, "Avatar, what?" (laughs) Yeah, we finally bought the right. No, Marvel. We want Marvel. More Marvel. But or Star Wars. I'm really hoping the the new Avatar re-sparks like... Uh, it probably will. And gives us another cinematic world to like. Because Marvel is getting a little like... Uh, fa- the Fast Universe is dead. I just don't, no, I don't think the Western world cares about those movies anymore. Um, the Jurassic And I haven't watched them in like movies. three movies. I'm, I'm like three or four movies behind in the Fast Universe. I'm like, I, I have no idea what's happening. These last few have not been good. I saw... The last one I saw was... Uh, the last one with Paul uh, Walker, right? No, I saw the one at. Well, I saw the one after that where oh, he fast dies. Eight, but where they say goodbye to him, but he's dead in real life. Uh, oh yeah, it's the last one with the yeah. last one with him, right? Yeah, but he's CGI it's fast part of seven. It. It's right? his twin brother and CGI part of it. Uh, oh, by the way, I saw this movie about ten years ago for the first time. Okay, that was the question you asked me. <laughs> okay. We went on this tangent. Okay. Sorry. So how how old were you in ten years? How old was I ten years ago? Uh, nineteen. You saw this movie when you were nineteen. It took you until nineteen to see it. 
No, I think I saw it in like 2011, so I was probably like... So you were 19. Tw- I was 18. 18. So 11 years ago. Yeah. You liar. Everybody, <laughs> did you hear that? He lied. Oh, 11, 10 years ago. What's liar. You're a big phony. But yeah, it's been, yeah. And I I mean, I, I, I instantly, I, I fell in love with it. I really, I, I love this movie. You, How many times have you, you seen it probably, you've watched it? This is probably like my fourth time watching it. I can, that's crazy. I can tell. Um, I can tell you like it because you get passion. I'm. St- I was staunchly defending. This I'm. Movie. I'm. St- and I think my attacks on it really have thrown you for a loop. Because they're not just well, it's scary and I didn't like it. It's like <laughs> legit complaints, and you're just like, well, no. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. This is one of the first movies where I was able to actually have a legit complaint against. And I actually was you able have to, to actually kinda... defend. Well, you didn't defend it right. I was kidding. <laughs> I won. Sure. No. Um, it's based on a post opinion. in the comments. Who do you agree with? Yeah, Sterling or Sterling. Um, <laughs> if you do a capital Sterling, we know you mean me. If we do a cap a lower class Sterling, we'll know you mean Lee. But we'll count them both as Sterling. Um. Sterling's always right. right? Yep. Thank you. Lee said it best. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Next question. What was your favorite scene? We know my favorite scene. What was your favorite scene? Wow. I think it might be kind of hard for you. I've been thinking about this since before we recorded this, actually. You've mentioned a lot of scenes that you really liked. I, I truly do love the ending. Um, I'm not saying that's my favorite scene, but I'm just going through all the great scenes in this film. I really love the ending. Um, I um, I like the the moment when we're first introduced to the colonel, even though it's kind of a smaller moment. Um, mm. We sort of like we kind of instantly kind of understand his character. Yeah, he's, that one he's like, oh, he's an evil fascist. He's yeah, everything. Yeah, he's very sort of. Manner. I thought he was gonna be very one-dimensional when we first met him. Like, oh, he's just an evil fascist. But That's then the he thing. Grew. That's the thing. Yeah, he he does still. He's still a human, with all of the terrible things that come with that, which makes him the more horrible monster. Yeah. Um. Because he does somewhat have a conscience. This pale man thing doesn't have a conscience. It just kind of lives to eat, eat children. Isn't that great? Yeah, that's a great scene. I love the the moment where she like looks up at the walls, and all that creepy art is on the walls. The murals of the pale man eating, eating children. children. And then there's a pile of shoes. And there's a pile of shoes, and you're like, what? <laughs> Jesus. And then you watch her be a dumbass and eat two grapes for no reason. She was demonstrating that how uh, dumb she was, okay, and how dumb everyone in this movie was. Dumb dumb. Disobedience. While sometimes if she was, if if there wasn't everyone else in the movie being just the dumbest people in the world, then okay, I believe you and your disobedience thing. But it was just a common theme that everyone in the movie, except for the doctor and the the colonel, were incompetent fools. Everybody, the wife was dumb. uh, Mercedes was dumb in a lot of moments. The rebels were just idiotic. 
the fascists were just dumb pigs just walking around and just ducks and outfits. Again, it's this it's everybody's sort of dumb dumb. Okay, but I feel like those two sides are written with a sort of deliberate simplicity. It just felt a lot of things were just. I know it's a movie, and it's like obviously they got to make it because they got to write it this way so that the story goes. But it's just a lot of it just didn't feel like it flowed naturally. It just didn't make sense that there was never any guards. <laughs> they escaped constantly. He never was like triple the guard, like never. It just never. And they like it was just like assumed that like he's just like abusive and hates. And it's like then like he had no scenes with the girl, the little girl, where he was like really mean to her. Except for a couple times when he caught her being a dumbass and was rightfully mad <laughs> in the situation. You catch a little girl, it was a rotten bowl of milk with a rotten piece of vegetable in it. <sighs> Obviously, you're going to be pissed off. And your wife, who's this bedridden, has just got rotten milk underneath her. And you're, what, what else are you doing to her when no one's looking? What other voodoo magic are you doing, you weird, weird bruja? <laughs> you bruja. Goddamn. Sterling doesn't like the kids in my movies. They're just dumb as dumb as the ones in mine. That's what made me infuriated. She was just a normal dumb kid. But then in my movie, it's like, those kids, how dare they be kids? And then in yours, like, well, they're just a kid. In my movie, they're just dumb, useless kids. And in your movie, it's like, well, they're just being a child, Sterling. I don't know why you got to hold them to these standards. It's just ridiculous. And she's a great actress for the moment, but she's not. it's not that great of a... It's not that hard of a role to do. Just be a dumb kid. <laughs> she wasn't a... It wasn't, I didn't think it was like a groundbreaking performance by her. No, it's not. I never said that. It was a good performance, but like I think the girl who played Little Miss Sunshine did a better job of being an actress. Okay, fine. I didn't say that the acting all across the board was amazing. I think it's all really good. Um, she's really good. Mercedes is really is really great. Um, I like her kind of little arc. She sort of learns to become more like confident in herself. That's why I feel like she makes a lot of mistakes. She's not just she doesn't believe in herself completely. But it's not mistakes where it's like you didn't believe in yourself. It's mistakes like you literally just got nearly caught for stealing a and you're just going to go walk right over to the pit where you look at the fuck where you read and you, she just got caught. It just like, obviously they know I just, there wasn't ever, she made a mistake because it was, uh, uh, she didn't have confidence. It was always a mistake of like, why are you doing well, that? It is, this I is mean, the wrong time to do that. I guess what I mean was like, this is all new to her. So she's not she's not a great planner. She's not She's been his maid for a while. They have it set up that he loves she her. She admitted though. She he really loves Mercedes. But because she's lower class and he has this weird caste system in his fascist mind, he could never be with her. Yes, but then she also says that she's she's a coward, that she could have done something a lot sooner. But, but she's doing that like when she's complaining to her brother who is like this rebel who she's trying to like, she feels guilty because she gets to sleep under a roof and eat food and all that stuff. And she's like, I'm a coward. It's like, no, she's doing the much tougher and scarier job than the brother who's just a dumbass rebel who just does dumb shit. Like the scene where the guy's just, the, the colonel's just going, if you, I, I know you're out there. Well, shoot him in the head. 
There was literally like 10, there was him and then like 10 other Spanish dudes. And there was like 15 rebels watching them easily. And, and they all had guns. Why didn't they ambush them? I get it. It would have alerted all the other ones, but you would have got the main colonel. Yeah. They... And all of his higher ups because he took up, he would have taken his best okay. troops with him. Okay, maybe. And his best higher up. So the, what, the, then the, 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 the fascists are just fucked? They don't have a leadership? And you're run off to the hills by the time they even know what the fuck's going on? It's just a lot. And it's just, I just. That moment, okay, kind of doesn't really make sense, I guess. Because, yeah. Because then they ambush them. Because they do show. Like, they they're ambush them literally. There. I get they ambush. I get the later on when they're about to kill Mercedes and they ambush those soldiers. I get it's because they've gotten the reinforcements now. To actually launch the attack, and that's why they're more confident to do the ambush on them. But maybe that's the reasoning. And I don't, you know, Guillermo del Toro is not. I don't, I don't think is really that knowledgeable about like military history no. or strategy. Um. So yeah, favorite scene. Back to that. <laughs> um. I think my favorite scene is. The uh, introduction of the fawn. I really, I really like that scene. I like I when she, when she's fi- when she's actually going into the lab oh. for the first time, and it's it's oh. dark, and she's like, "Hola, hello." I'm sorry. Hello? Another scene where I'm just like, dumb. This horrible monster creature, and she has absolutely no reaction to it because she likes this stuff. She wants to live in the fantasy world. It's not scary to it's her. It's another thing that leads me to it's all schizophrenic episode because, of course, you wouldn't be scared of the own thing in your own fucking episode because it, subtly, somewhere in your mind, you know it's not real. So okay. you're like, this can't hurt me. If that's how you want to look at it, fine. I choose to think that she just believes that this fawn is real. This is the thing that she's always wanted, actually. She believes in fairies. She believes that she's she could be a all fairy scenes, princess. I'm just surprised that's your favorite. Th- then this is gonna be even more interesting. What's your least favorite? What's your biggest complaint? What's your least favorite scene? I mean, least favorite scene. Mm. Wow, that's really hard. Um. My least favorite scene is when they don't kill him, when they could have ambushed him. Yeah, it's definitely contrived. But then, you you know, after you what you said, to me, that's kind of decent enough reasoning. I just don't think it should have happened. It I get been, then, like, my favorite scene wouldn't have happened. It would have been then, better like, if, like, it cut to a shot of them, like, going up, like, a hill, like, really far away, and then turning back when yeah. he's, like, yelling. Um. Not just standing sorry. there in perfect ambush. Sorry stance. to be a backseat uh, director, Guillermo del Toro. I'm not. <laughs> or writer, I guess, because he wrote the screenplay. I'm also not. Um, man. I don't know. Like if you can't fa- answer favorite or worst se- or least favorite scene, what's what's your biggest complaint about the movie then? Because mine is the dumb characters. The dumb characters. Just the not the dumb characters because even when they're acting dumb, they're acting well and everything. It's just, I guess my biggest complaint is some of the writing. Okay. I felt like you could feel 
the lower budget in the writing. I think when he did that, the Hellboys and stuff, to do with one it. the Hellboy things were a graphic novel that he wrote. Like he didn't create that. No, it was a universe that he kind of just like hopped onto and just put his. But I think on. he did write the screenplay for those. He movies. did. I'm not saying he's not a great writer, but I think it go what goes to show he's not as good of a world builder because his worlds have a lot of fucking holes in them and a lot of assumptions, a lot of things you have to assume. He also did Pacific Rim, which I also think. That movie has a kind of fully realized Well, it has world. a big budget. Big U.S. studio budget. And I like Pacific Rim 2. Pacific Rim 2 sucks fucking butt nut, but that's because it got taken over by like a stupid Chinese studio and made in nothingness. Yeah, Guillermo del Toro doesn't, didn't have anything to do with that. You can tell. I mean, I haven't watched it, but I've seen parts of it, and you're just like, oh, how does the sequel look worse? How did the CGI get worse? That's I'd be strange. real pissed off if I was John Boya. Like, just you just John you Boya, get all these yeah. chances, and then the studios just fuck you by ruining the movies. Yeah, which kind of make you look like a bad actor. You're like, but I'm not. No, he's not. <laughs> they just keep fucking me, man. <laughs> like, it's not fair. It's like, the, I keep giving these chances, and they're like, oh, by the way, we're gonna cut the budget by a hundred. Dilemma of a lot of actors, probably. Yeah, these I must days. suck on choosing a movie. Yeah. Because, you know, oh, this is a really good script, and then they change everything. Or they just don't give you enough money to make the good script real good. I don't know. I, I don't think budget has anything to do with, you know, I guess what you think is the I just don't think there were as many people writing. involved. So he had to stretch himself more thin, and it just goes to show he just didn't have as much input. Because he, he did just made input. the whole world himself. No, I meant he had no more, not as much outside input. Right when you're di- when you did the Hellboy thing, you saw the original creator of Hellboy. You have a bunch of more produ- you have more producers because it's more of a big budget and there's more of a thing they're doing. You want yeah, you want a mainstream movie. They didn't want to make no money on this movie. He didn't make it with the hopes of oh, I hope only one Jewish guy in California <laughs> likes it. This movie was yeah, it was a success, and I'm sure he was very happy getting that cheddar. So. And that's why I bet it boosts Hellboy 2's budget by a good 30% because this movie was a success. Yes. And, you know, it got nominated for Oscars and stuff. And I'm not saying it doesn't deserve that stuff, but I'm just, I, I'm just at least getting a little fed in there, but I'm just poking a little bit at this guy. Like I just go to show. I just don't think alone he is as strong of a writer, a world builder. He's a great writer. He can make a screenplay like a motherfucker. But, like, it just, the world had these, this, like, great world builders make it so those holes are not as apparent or they just have an answer. Well, I feel like a lot of it, again, it's it's sort of, like, open to interpretation. And like, and it also might lead a little more to my budget thought is because he could, might not just have had the budget to film some scenes he wanted to. It's possible. Or he had to cut some things. A lot of this, uh, a lot of the ideas, especially for like the creatures and stuff, come from this uh, journal that he uh, that he has. Uh, he makes like he has like little like doodle, not doodles, sketches and stuff of like different monsters and stuff that he comes up with because that's They're his awesome thing. looking. I'm, I love all the so aesthetic. He created the the, des- I the design love the aesthetic. of the fawn and the pale man. That, I'm not saying he's like a terrible world builder. I'm just saying it's not his strongest 
thing. I it could have been better. And I'll maybe just also like he maybe can be really good on it when he's not also having to do everything in the movie. He did everything. When you're the writer, the director. Think, yeah, he also produced it. And it's so. much lower budget, so you're having to think like, how do I make this with only four hundred thousand dollars? And he's you, and he just made Hellboy one, so he's used to this budget. So it's like, ooh, but then I, it's also a challenge. I get it, I get it, and he did, he did perfect with it. Made eighty four million dollars. Okay. And in two thousand six, that's fucking. And for eighteen million dollars, what he like quadrupled the fucking money. That's a great hit. Yeah. But. I think he I just don't think it's also really remembered that much. People remember Hellboy, but I, I'm not saying like cinephiles don't remember it. It's just not even in like the mainstream underground. Okay, Cuz there's like underground that. and then there's mainstream underground, and I just don't think this movie has like the cult following like uh it No, it does. This movie has a lot of no calls for like let's get some see more like it. What is this movie to have? To, does it have to? Have no, it doesn't have to have a sequel. No, no. Does it have to have T-shirts and Hot Topic and all that? Kinda. Does it have to have a stupid pop figure of a fawn? No. A little bit. No. To be a no. There was a novelization, I guess, that came out a few years ago that Guillermo wrote with another author. That makes sense, but it's probably just long. His movies are long. I can just imagine what his writing's like. This movie's not that long. I, I don't know. In thinking about... I think going, we're going around in circles a little bit about arguing about, like, we're just not going to make... We're trying to make each other, like, convinced of one thing. is just not going to happen. No, I love this movie. You don't. That's fine. Well, no. I never said I didn't love it. You I said it. I had some big flaws with it, but I definitely liked, like I, like I said, I liked Mercedes. I liked the Colonel. In the, the way you can like the colonel's character, not like like him as a person. He's an interesting character. Yeah. He's an interesting villain. I like the doctor. And yes. I even like the girl for the most part, but I almost, most of the scenes, the, see, I preferred her in the scenes where she wasn't with a fantastical creature. And she was so interacting with her mom. So you almost would have preferred it, that this movie was almost just like a, just a drama about life during the Spanish Civil War? A little bit. Or I would have liked for the fantasy, and I know you think it's real, but I just don't think it, and I would have liked it be confirmed. If the fantasy was real, real, and it was convinced to me it was real, I would have liked it more. Okay. Um. So with that, Lee, what do you rate this bitch? Wow. Well, as, as you could tell, I mean, I couldn't even find a scene that I could really point to and say that I don't like it. I can agree with you about the maybe that one scene with the colonel where they they probably could have killed him, or when he gets stabbed a bunch of times. But I mean, again, we've seen that in so many different movies, bad movies, good movies that I like. Um, 
It's just a thing that happens in movies to just keep the plot going. There's the story going, so we can have that moment where the hero triumphs, or the villain can do one more terrible thing. Um, but I just, uh, for me personally, this movie runs on a completely different kind of logic. Um, a type of logic that, you know, it's it's very old school. Like, almost sort of like a movie that would be made, like, in the 1940s or 50s, where you don't really think about... Uh, yeah, it almost is sort of like an adult version of, like, a Disney movie, in a way. One of the classic old Disney movies. Uh, just with a little bit of graphic violence and a story about... And, you know, just this dark, uh, dramatic story about this Spanish Civil War, um, which is an event that... Guillermo del Toro's been interested in pretty much his whole career. He made a, a movie before this uh, called The Devil's Backbone, which is definitely more of a straight horror movie. It's a, it's a movie about ghosts. Sounds like it. Um, I haven't seen it, um, but I definitely intend to watch it one of these days. Um, actually, to me, it looks like a more interesting movie than Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, but that, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I... What do you rate it, Lee? I'm getting there. <laughs> We're almost there, Lee. Ah. <sighs> Fuck it. You know what? This is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I'm not going to let your nitpicking... I don't think it's nitpicking, but okay. <laughs> I'm not going to let your nitpicking ruin it for me. I'm giving it a 10 out of 10. Huge flaws are pointed out, but okay. Nitpicky is if you're bad at the shoes. Um, okay. Uh, gonna have to mellow that out. Let me give it a six. Because I thought the acting was great. Good. Um, not great. Good. Um, I and I liked some of the. I, I, you've heard my complaints and my likes. I I just six. But closer to a seven than a five. It's above average then for you. Yeah. Which is good. I couldn't imagine watching it again. Just because once fine. with these movies especially, like once you know everything, it's like, oh, well. It's kind of like watching a comedy again. Like, oh, I know the joke. I don't know, it's a little hard for me to rewatch these kind of movies. That's. I mean, I get that. I mean, this is definitely a, a movie that I don't like regularly rewatch because it's it's very. It's a heavy movie, honestly. It's, it is pretty. It, it is really heavy. I mean, you were like, we were. Kinda, I was into it. We were kind of like talking during the ending, but honestly, you know, when Ophelia dies, I, I feel something in in my cold lump that's in my chest. I that, guess I'm I just guess like she's so stupid. Heart. I'm just okay, fine. And I kept thinking that she'd be alive, but I don't know. I guess I don't know. I, I was like, oh, is this the moment where they're going to confirm that the fantasy's real and she'll be alive? And then it didn't. I was like, oh, it's not real. It's sad. <laughs> I didn't get sad until the movie actually ended. And it was like confirmed, like when she. I mean, it's it's literally when the vision ended, when her last breath ended. It's I was like, sad oh. when uh, the mother dies. It's that was kind of just like, oh, she's dead. It's sad when the doctor dies. That one was more heroic death. So yeah, but like um, the mother was just like, oh, she's dead. It's even sad when those two like farmers die. This, this whole that was just this, fucked up. That's why it was sad. Sense of just like yeah, just tragedy. This world is loss. fucked up. 
melancholy. The villagers are on ration cards. Everything's just terrible. But Spain was terrible under the fascist government, so. There you go. That's pretty much what the movie's about. All right. Well, that kind of wraps these things up. Um, But before that, I got to announce my movie for my first movie for Spooky Tober. Oh, boy. Um, This movie will probably terrify Lee a lot more than Pan's Lambert terrified me. Um, Because we will be watching, finally, Breaking Dawn Part Uno. Yeah. I'm very excited to watch it. Almost watched it earlier, like a few months ago. But then I was like, no, I got to wait till Halloween. I doubt I'll wait for part two for Halloween, for ne- the next Halloween, because I don't really want to. Um, and it's part two, and you kind of got to watch but it. And we'll like, be done with the Twilight movie. I know. That's going to be crazy. Um, because we uh, we have watched all of them. Um, and Lee didn't hate the first one as much as I thought he would. Um, but that that's mostly rabbit That's definitely the most entertaining one. Um, but we'll see what he thinks of part one next week. Um, I'm <sighs> really excited to show it to him, and I'm excited to talk to you guys about it. But as always, please hit that like, follow, leave us a comment, tell us what movies do you think we should watch. Let us know in the comment who you think the person is that we should watch. Who should watch it? Please follow us on Instagram at it's not the worst movie ever pod. You'll find our our own Instagrams linked there. Go to my Instagram. Please follow me. Follow my uh, my dog's Instagram. Go to TikTok. Follow me on TikTok at Hammer Books. I review pop culture shit. Um, follow my dog. Also linked in my Instagram bio on her TikTok and her Instagram bio and uh, and, and and in her Instagram bio is her TikTok. Um, just post fun, cute. Husky content on that stuff. Husky pictures. Who doesn't love that kind of good stuff? And yeah, shameless yeah. plug over. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We hope you have a great week, and we look forward to talking to you next time. Hang on tight, Spider Monkey. <laughs> 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 <laughs>